you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Come on, would you clap your hands to the Lord this morning? Come on, he deserves a better ovation than that. Would you clap your hands and give him glory this morning? I'm encouraged by what I feel this morning. I'm encouraged by the worship that has been in this house, and I'm encouraged about what I know that God wants to do. I'm encouraged about what He spoke into my spirit this week, and uh, I'm excited to share with you. I, I just I want to preface this morning. You may be seated. You can be seated. That's fine. I came to speak a word to somebody specifically. They always say that. I'll just be real honest. They'll, they always say that you you speak from a subject or a topic that is dear, near and dear to you. And they talk about preaching out of your weak, your own weakness and preaching out of your own pain. And this morning, I just I want to take a few moments and I want to preach into your hearing uh, on a subject that I believe that there are many in this place that may struggle today. Uh, you may struggle with what I'm about to speak to you about, but I believe that God is going to sweep into this sanctuary and that God is going to turn your situation. I talked about that last week, but I, I, I kind of want to hit on that for just a moment. I believe that God is going to turn your situation around this morning. How many believe that today? If you have your Bibles... I'd like for you to turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 6, and I want to read uh, a few verses into your hearing this morning to springboard into where I believe that God wants to take us. 2 Chronicles chapter 6, beginning at verse number 36, and the Bible says, now this is Solomon praying at the dedication of his temple, and he is praying, he has gone through and he's prayed for just about anything that you can imagine, everything, anything that could be listed was listed here. And then Solomon turns his attention to uh, the people that are in the kingdom that may be struggling, the people that are in, in the kingdom that may be uh, dealing with uh, self, self-worth issues. And he says, if they sin against thee, for there is no man which sinneth not, and thou be angry with them, and deliver them over before their enemies, and they carry them away captive unto a land far off or near. Yet if they bethink themselves in a land whether they are carried captive, and turn and pray unto thee in the land of their captivity, saying, We have sinned, we have done amiss, we have dealt wickedly. If they return 
unto thee with their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity, whether they be carried them captives and pray toward their land, which thou goest or they, thou givest to their fathers, and toward the city which thou hast chosen, and toward the house which I have built for your for thy name. Then hear thou from the heavens, even from thy dwelling place, their prayer and their supplication, and maintain their cause and forgive thy people which have sinned against thee. Now, my God, let I beseech thee, thine eyes be open and thine ears be attent unto the prayer that is made in this place. Now, therefore, arise, O Lord God, into the resting place, thou and the ark of thy strength, let thy priest, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation, and let thy saints rejoice in goodness. O Lord God, Solomon says, turn not away thy face from thine anointed. Remember the mercies of David, thy servant. And then I want to draw two more scriptures from the next chapter, verses 1 and 2. When Solomon finishes his prayer, he turns and he says, now when Solomon had made the end of praying, the fire came down from heaven. How many know that prayer is the catalyst for the fire? But when he ceased praying, fire came down and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the house. I want to preach to you for just the next few moments on this subject, and you'll understand where I'm going in just a few moments, but I want to preach to you on this subject, the power of imperfection. The power of imperfection. I wonder if you would just put your Bibles down, and I wonder if you would lift your hands all over this place with me right now. And would you ask God to speak into your spirit and into your life? God, I pray that your word would go forth and it would accomplish that for which you have sent it. Let it not rest on deaf ears, God, and let it not rest on hardened hearts. But God, open our ears to hear. Open our hearts to receive and our minds to understand what you are speaking to your people this morning. In Jesus' name, and everyone shout amen. My grandfather... This Bible is very dear to me that I'm preaching from today because my grandfather gave me this Bible. But I remember as a kid that Grandpa would drive down to Indianapolis uh, when Uncle Dick would come up to visit, and they would visit Kirkbride Bible Company where they manufactured Thompson Chain Reference Bibles. And they would go down because they had a, for a time, they had a dealer's license, and they would be able to purchase uh, factory second Bibles at a discounted price. Imagine my grandfather looking for a deal. But they were Bibles that maybe the, the cover, and this is, this is where this Bible came from. Maybe it was kind of funny that I'm talking about this because I was reading uh, this morning and I looked down on the page and I saw a misprint. And I thought, well, that's just like my grandfather but maybe the cover would have a scratch, or maybe the leather would be discolored, or maybe the, the, the gold leafing on the pages would uh, be scratched or worn like this Bible is, or maybe it would be a misprint on a page. But it was because of an imperfection that the price of that Bible had to be discounted. 
You see, often people are focused, so focused on a good deal that they don't realize that the product that they are seeking has an imperfection. Cheryl and I went into Lowe's uh, last year and we bought a stove. And, and it was in the scratch and dent aisle and I was walking by and I saw this nice stove. And I saw the price tag on the stove and I thought, we need a stove. Whether or not we needed one, we did need one that day. And so I looked on the side, and there was a big dent on the side of the stove that caused the price to be discounted greatly. And so we purchased the stove because we realized that that dent would probably never be seen, only to take the stove home and two days later realize that not all the burners worked. It was a damaged product that was sold at a discounted price because there was an imperfection. And the imperfection decreased the value. And the decreased value is usually due to the condition of the product. So if you walk into Walmart and you see a product that you wanted and you see it at a heavily discounted price, I want to tell you that there's probably something wrong with it. There's probably parts missing. There's probably, probably screws missing to that grill that you wanted that is so nicely priced. Companies have made hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, getting people who society deem as being among the most beautiful and the most physically fit models and celebrities. But they've spent money for these people to be the face of their products in hopes that someone like me would buy a suit that looked good and fit like a glove on that chiseled male physique but looks like a 55-gallon trash bag when I put it on. Because I'm not perfect. They might have the nastiest attitude. The people that they choose to represent their company might have the nastiest attitude and may live the most illicit type of lifestyle, but because they possess the attributes and the qualities that society considers to be beautiful, they are searched for and they are sought after. While many of us, many of those that have, may have good attitudes and good morals are overlooked because they are too tall or they are too short because they're not the perfect specimen. The nature of our society is to minimize and to devalue what we see as imperfect. And it is not something wrong with us, but it is just simply the nature of humanity because no one wants to pay full price for an item that is in half price condition. But I've come this morning, we've laughed and we've, we've, we've chuckled at my opening today, but I've come to remind us that but because it is such a part of our nature to minimize things that are imperfect. But I want to remind you that if we're not careful, we can transfer that way of thinking into the spirit world because our nature tells us that imperfection is of less value. We tell ourselves that because we aren't perfect that God doesn't want us or because that we have, we have uh, baggage and we, we carry that around with us that God wouldn't want to use us when there are those that are more talented and there are those that are more qualified to do things for the Lord. 
It is easy for us at times to see our own imperfections in our walk with God, and we sometimes think that we are not as valuable as someone who seems to have it all together. It is easy when we know the temptation. It's easy for us to think this way when we know in our mind the temptation that we fight with and we know the things that we struggle with and we know the desires that we are dealing with and we know the, the, the problem, problems in our homes and in our own relationships. And sometimes we fall into the trap of the enemy and we think that we're not as valued as the, in the kingdom of God because of all our inadequacies and because of all our imperfection. But I've come to preach to someone this morning, to somebody who has struggles and someone who has imperfections and shortcomings. I want to speak to the man or woman who still struggles to overcome that habit or that addiction. And I want to speak to the one who still fights with temptation and you fight controlling your temper and you feel like you can't worship because of your stink, stinking rotten pride that you possess inside of you. And you can't respond to the preaching the way that you want to because you feel inadequate and you feel that you're too imperfect and you are damaged goods. I didn't come to preach to the flawless today, but I come to preach to those of us who have flaws, to those of us who are damaged goods. We see ourselves of having a diminished value because of this. It is our nature, but it is not God's nature because God values and He desires you even with all your imperfection. There's nothing too dirty or too broken that God doesn't value you. Come on, somebody clap your hands to the Lord this morning. Come on, I come to preach hope to somebody. You feel like that there's nothing good in you, but you need to look through the eyes of a Savior who bled and died for you. You need to look through His eyes, and you need to see in yourself what God sees. You need to look at yourself through the blood of Jesus. I won't be long this morning, but I want to tell you that God uses our imperfections often to teach us a lesson. Look at the early church in Corinth, in Paul's first epistle to the church at Corinth. These were those who heard the preaching and the teaching of the apostles themselves. They could have even, most of them, some of them, possibly even laid their eyes upon Jesus himself and they saw his works and and they saw what he had accomplished. They knew his works, they knew his will, and they knew his ways talking about the early church that was being carved out. It was the model for for this present day church. It was to be an example for us to follow. And if there was ever going to be a perfect church, it should have been the church at Corinth. But Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, when he began to write to them, he began to to give his salutation and his greeting. And then he switched gears and he said in, in verse number 10, But I sense that there are divisions among you. He said, make sure that you all speak the same thing. He said, don't don't have one tell tell it one way and, and another tell it another way. 
But you need to get together because I sense that there is division among you. They had heard the greatest teaching and preaching. But there were some in the church who were less than what they were supposed to be. And Paul begins to address the division by saying, it's not hard to believe that you struggle with being what you're supposed to be because I realize that you're human. Even in a good church like this, we are privileged to be a part of. It's easy to be blemished. It's easy to be flawed. And it's easy to be imperfect. But before you write yourself or anyone else off, you must realize that sometimes it is good and it is necessary for us to be flawed. Because in verse 19 of, the, of 2 Corinthians, or, uh, Paul says, for, for there must also be heresies among you, that they which are approved may be manifest among you. And I looked into this scripture because it stood out to me. And that word heresy is not the normal translation as what we know to be heresy, something that is not true and something that is, is, is not accurate. But the word heresy in the original translation in this verse simply means disunity or disunion. He said, I, I sense that there is disunion and disunity among you. Yes, they were flawed. Yes, they were imperfect. Yes, they were factory seconds in God's great church. And I want to tell somebody in this place today that from time to time, there have to be imperfections that rise in us, things that we fight from time to time. Why do you say that, preacher? I say that because it's so that we, that would, that, we that they that which are approved may be made manifested or they may be approved they may possess godly reason and maintain the right spirit because God wants to know that even though you might struggle you possess the right spirit sometimes it's good that we struggle so that we stay dependent on God sometimes it's good that we struggle so we so we realize that God I can't do this on my own God I can't go here on my own God I can't speak on my own because I've got too much pride. I've got too much junk on the inside. But God, I'm dependent on you to cover me, to remove my struggles and make me, God, what you can make me to be. Sometimes we need to welcome the struggles in life. Sometimes we need to thank God for the struggles in life because that just means that God sees something in us. When we struggle, when we feel like God is, is pushing us and He's prodding us to do a work, and we start thinking about all the struggles, all the things that we possess, all the shortcomings, all the pride, all the, all the arrogance sometimes. And sometimes God's pushing us and all we can see is all this stuff and say, God, why do you want to use me? But God's looking at you and he said, I, I want to use you and I'm prodding you because I see something of value in you. I see something worth me stepping in and switching your life around and, and causing you to become dependent upon me. wants to know that even in the midst of our struggle, that even in the midst of our imperfection, he wants to know that when the rubber meets the road and when things get tough, he wants to know that we're willing to fight our way back to him 
so that he can work all things out together for our good. I'm hurrying this morning. But there are times that imperfection has to invade our world so that God can prove what we're made of. I said, okay, I'm, I'm just preaching from my heart this morning. Don't be fooled into believing that God knows what you're made of just because you dress the part. Don't be fooled into thinking that God knows what is in your heart of heart just because you come to church three times a week. Just because, men, you have a, a suit and a tie on or women, you have a, your nice dress on and you have your hair just done just right or just because that you just attend church. But God created you, and he created me with the power of choice. And every now and then, he has to shake our world to allow imperfections to rise up, to allow weaknesses to show up. It is in these times that we need to remember that it, he isn't punishing us. We have this not just because we have sin in our life. He's not trying to get back at us, but he has proven us. He has proven you in those times. He's proven you, proven you in those times of weakness. He has proven you in those times when you feel like throwing in the towel and giving up. He's got to know that you have what it takes to fight your way back to Him. And sometimes He has to rock your boat in order to make sure that you're going to choose Him in His ways, even in the midst of calamity. He's got to know that you will choose what is right despite all the wrong that is in your life. Because if this is not the case, then why did God allow painful imperfections to, to touch Job's world until Job came to the, to the conclusion and he said, naked I came into this world and naked I shall return. You see, Job was simply saying that if I lose it all, and he had, but he said, if, even if I lose everything else, I've already lost my family, I've lost my cattle, I've lost my home, I've lost my money, everything had been taken away from me. But Job was saying, if I lose everything, I still choose to live for God. If I lose my family, somebody needs to make it up in your mind today, that even if I lose my family, if I lose my money, if I lose my job tomorrow, I still choose to live for God. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Come on, does anybody feel like that this morning? Any imperfect, imperfect people in this place feel like that this morning? Take it all, God. Take it all from me. Take my pride. Take my ability. But God, I'm going to live for you. He said, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice Isaac on an altar. You imagine what Abraham thought when God spoke that to him. He said, I want you to take your only son, Abraham, and I want you to take him up the mountain. And there I want you to shed his blood as a sacrifice unto me. Because I've got to know, Abraham, I've got to know, would you love me even when things are going wrong in your life? I'm speaking to somebody this morning. You're here in this place, and everything's going wrong in your life. 
and you feel like a failure. You feel like you feel like you can't add up. You feel like you're not good enough. You feel like you're not talented enough. And you question yourself and you question God. And you, you wonder, God, why? Why are these things coming into my life? Why are all these imperfections rising in my life? But you need just to stop for a moment and you need to realize that it just may be that God's proven you. It just may be that God sees something of worth and value in you. He may just be taking your imperfection and getting ready to turn it around and turn it into your greatest weapon. He said, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice Isaac. I want you to give him to me. Abraham, would you love me if what you desired was taken from you? As he was asking him to spill his son's blood on that altar, we all know the story that when Abraham raised that dagger and he was just about to plunge it into the chest of his only son, that an angel of the Lord appeared and he grabbed the hand of of, of Abraham and he stopped him at that place. He stopped him at that altar and that angel spared Isaac's life. Now, Jesus was saying, God was saying, now Abraham, you, you did it. You did everything you could do. You went as far as you could and you were willing. But now, Abraham, I know something that I didn't know a moment ago. I, 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 know, I know something now that I didn't know when you were making your way up the, the mountain. I know that you got it in you because Abraham, now I know that you love me more than anything else in this world because you're willing to sacrifice and you're willing to give up everything at my beck and call. I, I don't know. I didn't know before your imperfections, and I didn't know what, you're, what you were going to do before your struggle came. But I want to tell you in this place this morning that the same God that saw enough value in Job and in Abraham to prove them, He is seeing something in you, and He is proving you to see if you're going to trust Him in the midst of calamity. He is proving you to see if you're going to trust Him even if he takes everything away from you tomorrow. Qualified this morning to preach this to you, church, because I too have been there. I too have had moments and times in my life where it didn't add up. And I have, I too had moments where I questioned God. I too have had times where I felt like throwing in the towel and just saying, God, I'm not good enough. God, I'm not smart enough. God, I can't do this. I too have sat where many of you sit this morning. Struggles, the imperfections that the enemy is constantly in your ear telling you that you are not qualified. How could you come into this house and how could you worship and how could you dance and how could you lay hands on somebody and pray for them when you're the one that needs prayer yourself? It's quiet in here, but it's real. How can you serve when you're messed up on the inside? I want to tell somebody that today is the day and it's time that you see the value and the power 
that you possess in, even in your imperfection. Your struggles do not devalue you. You didn't, he didn't call you to be perfect. He called you to be pure. He called you to be pure of heart. He didn't call you to perfection, but he called you to strive towards perfection. He didn't call you to have it all together, but he called you to give you everything. He didn't call you because you possess it. He called you to give it to you. He called you to do a work for him even in the middle of your imperfection. In the middle of your struggles. And in the middle of what just may be the darkest hour of your life. You see, because sometimes he has to allow imperfection to touch your life. To see if you have the spirit that still says, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. And I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. Because the reality of what we possess on the inside, the reality of the thoughts and the intent of a heart are often only revealed in the tough times. Often what we think or what we really feel only comes to the forefront when we're faced with calamity, when we're faced with a bad doctor's report, when we're faced uh, with, with the, the fact that our home is falling apart and our relationships are in a mess and in, they're in shambles. It's at those times what is on the inside, what is really the true thought and intent of man's heart. It's at those times that is revealed to God. dedication of Solomon's temple, and I'm drawn to a close this morning. It was the dedication, the Bible tells us, of the ages. Thousands of animals were sacrificed that day. The priests were even gathered together and set apart, and they were rededicated for the service of the Lord. The Bible tells us in our text that choirs begin to sing and the instruments join in until the instruments and the voices became as one voice. Then the doors of the temple open and the Ark of the Covenant is carried in and it is set in the holiest of holies. And it is at that moment that Solomon begins to turn his attention and he begins to pray. He says, oh God, I remind you of the heritage that I have because of my father David, because God had a heart for David. He said, I'm asking you to let, this, the, let, the, let the strangers find a place to worship in this house. He says, I want you, God, to respect. I want you to respect the efforts of the congregation and the things that have been done for your cause I want you to respect their sacrifice, and I want you to add it to them as blessing. God, take care of them for their sacrifice. But I want you to notice what happens as I close this morning. I want you to notice what happens next as Solomon begins to pray about those in the kingdom. 
that are going to struggle, and yes, that are even going to fall. Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 36, he says, and I read our text again, if they sin against thee. Solomon goes to bat for the ones that are like you and like me. Because Solomon knew in his heart of hearts that there would be many that would fall. He knew that there was going to be a day when somebody fell to sin. He knew that there was going to be a day that someone was going to give in to the temptation. He knew that there was going to be a day that someone was going to walk into a place that they ought not to be. He said, God, I'm praying for those that if they sin against you, for there is no man which sinneth not. They all possess sin. And he goes on to say, if thou be angry with them, God, and deliver them over before their enemies, and they carry them away captives into a land far off or near. Yet if they bethink themselves, or if they come to themselves in a land whether they are carried captive, and they turn and they pray unto thee in the land of their captivity, saying, for we have sinned, and we have done amiss, and we have dealt wickedly. Solomon says, if they return to thee with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity, whether they be carried them captives and pray toward their land, which thou givest unto their fathers, and they pray towards the city which thou hast chosen and toward the house which I have built for thee. He said, if they come to their senses, and they repent. He said, God, then would you, would you please hear them from heaven? Even from thy dwelling place, hear their prayer and their supplications and maintain their cause and forgive your people which have sinned against you. Sounds like Solomon is talking about this present day church. Sounds like Solomon was standing in the gap for you and he was standing in the gap for me. Because the truth of the matter is we all have imperfections. The truth of the matter is there's not one perfect in this place. I don't care what, how nice the suit you wear is. I don't care how your hair's done just right. I don't care if your shoes are so polished that they blind your neighbor. There is not one in this place that has reached perfection. And Solomon goes to bat for people like us. And he said, God, when they do these things, when it happens, when they fall, and when they come to their senses, God, and they turn to you, and they repent, and they make things right. God, would you at that point, would you please not turn a deaf ear? 
Would you not turn your back on them? But God, would you hear their prayers? Would you hear their supplication? And I want to tell you this morning that in this place, there is a God even though you have imperfections, even though that you failed more times than you've succeeded, there is a God that is present in this place and His ear is not deaf to you. His back is not turned to you, but He is turning to you and He is reaching to you this morning with open arms and He said, I hear. I hear you. said, forgive thy people which have sinned against thee. And then we drop down to the next chapter. And we find what happens because of Solomon's prayer. Because of Solomon standing in the gap for somebody else. But the Bible says now when Solomon had made the end of his praying, it was at that moment It wasn't before. It wasn't when he was dedicating that beautiful temple. It wasn't about it wasn't about the the fixtures of gold. It wasn't about how much that house cost. But it was when Solomon prayed that fire fell from heaven and it consumed all the offerings and the sacrifice. And the word of God says that the glory of the Lord filled the house so much that the priest could not enter because the glory had filled the house where they were at. Listen to me. There is nothing, there is nothing on the face of this earth that will move God like someone who will say, I, God, I'm not what I ought to be. God, I have struggles. God, I have failed you more times than I care to count. I'm not what I I ought to be, but I'm going to give you everything that I've got. I'm going to give you everything that's left. God, it might not be much. It may not be worth much to anybody else, but God, I'm giving it to you. There is nothing. There is nothing that will move God like a person that will say, God, I'm giving you everything despite what it looks like, despite how dirty and torn and tattered I may be. It means something to God when somebody in the midst of the struggles and imperfections make a choice to keep reaching for God instead of giving up the fight and throwing in the towel. There are some here this morning, hear me today, and I'm asking for your response this morning. There are some here who are bound by your imperfections that you deal with. You are deflated by your circumstance. You cry yourself to sleep night after night after night thinking that you have no value. But what I want you to know that it is in your weakness is nothing more than an opportunity to show God how you're going to respond when you can't feel Him and when you don't know what to do. It's in those times where you just throw up your hands and you run down to an altar and you say, God, I don't know what to do. God, I can't fix it on my own. But here I am, God. I don't 
know who I'm preaching to. I wish I could come and tap you on the shoulder today. I wish I could come and pray with you in an intimate setting, but I don't know who you are. I know that you're in this place, but I have no idea who you are. But you're struggling, and you're, you're weary in the fight. You feel like giving up. Your struggle, though, is nothing more than your greatest opportunity to let God do a work in your life. Your imperfections are a prime opportunity to let God know that you still want Him, even if it means losing everything else in your world. You may be here today and you, you may say, well, preacher, that's all fine and good, but you don't understand. You don't understand what I deal with. And I turn to you and I say, but you don't understand what I've dealt with in my life. You don't understand. I, don't, I may not understand your struggles, but in return, you don't understand what I struggle with. You don't understand the imperfections that I know that I have on the inside. But there is maybe one difference between me and you. I've laid them on an altar. I've laid on my face before God and say, God, I may not have much. It may not be of much value to you. But God, if you can use anything in me, if you can take anything out of me and make it good and worthy for your service, God, I give it to you today. I open these altars and I implore you. Come on, if you're struggling today, if you feel like you are imperfect, you feel like that God doesn't want to use you, I want you to come to this altar and I want you to pray a prayer of dedication and say, God, whatever it is in me, whatever I have, God, I give it to you. Nothing too dirty. Oh, you can't make worthy. Oh, come on, dedicate yourself to Him. Just like Saturday. God, I'm dedicated to you. I'm giving this to you, God. Take it and make it what you want it to be. God, if there's something, if there's anything of value in me, God. You can't make worthy. broken. There's nobody too dirty. There's nobody too broken in this place that God can't step in in your situation. You wash me in mercy. Shortcut it. You can't hide it from God. Just turn it over to Him. Just 
just turn it over to him. Thank you. 